Okay, morning everybody. How are we doing? Nice one. Um, uh, we are in week six and we're looking at the book of Acts if you've just joined us. So what we normally do is we just kind of give a quick reminder but because it's week six, it's getting a little bit longer. Um, this reminder of what we're doing, what we've been looking at and what we've been going through. And so we're looking at Acts and we're looking at how this gospel message spread. And it started with just 120 people who were committed to following Jesus, who committed themselves to praying and staying in a room and waiting and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And then the Holy Spirit came. And then Jesus used this group of people for the gospel to spread. And it spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we've been going through this, in the first week we looked at Mark 3 and Mark, I'm sorry, we looked at Acts 3 and Mark led us. And we looked at the man who was begging outside the temple courts. And we looked at how God transformed his life. And his life was transformed. Joy broke forth in his life. And Mark shared that this joy is for all of us. And that God wants our joy to be complete. And it wants our joy to be overflowing. And as we carried on going through Acts, we looked at the persecution. And how persecution began to rise up. And both Abby and I talked about the need to be reminded that we have to stand. We have to go and be willing to speak and share this gospel message to all those around us, despite what people may be saying. And two weeks ago, Timmy shared with us about Stephen and how Stephen got to experience peace, God's peace in the most difficult moment in his life. And then Timmy shared how he too experienced that peace in his life as well. And that peace is available to every single one of us and God wants to pour it out in our lives. And last week in Acts 8, Michael shared about why we are called to be faithful witnesses to this gospel message. Faithful in the face of persecution, faithful to the commands of Jesus, and faithful to following God's calls for our life. And so today what we're going to do, we're going to look at the story of Acts 9, and we're looking at Saul, who's also called Paul. So sometimes I will say Paul, but it's the same person. One's the Greek name, one's the Hebrew name. And we're also looking at a man called Ananias. And within this story, we're going to look at God's kindness and compassion and love and the kindness and compassion and love he has for every single one of us. And that he is calling out to us and he wants to fill us with that kindness and compassion and love. And then he wants us to take that kindness and compassion and love and he wants to share it with those around us so they too can experience it as well. So I've asked Paul to come and read Acts 1 to 19 and share the story of Paul. It's getting very confusing right now. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you persecuting, he replied. There was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus 
named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Paul. Um, just going to pray. Father God, would you give us ears to hear today? Would you give us eyes to see just who you are and how much you love us? Amen. So the story of Paul's conversion, it's shared three times in the book of Acts. It's shared in the chapter we've just read, which is number chapter 9, but twice more in chapters 22 and 26, where Paul is sharing his testimony this time of how his life was transformed by God. Firstly, he shares to the Jews in 22, where they are trying to kill him. And then in 26, he shares to King Agrippa. And I say that because I'm going to dip into these two chapters in 22 and 26 because there's important parts of this testimony of this story that are missing from chapter 9. But if we just start by going back to chapter 9 verse 1, we're told that Saul is still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. We first meet him at the end of chapter 7 and he is there where Stephen is being stoned to death. And it's Saul who is standing there giving his approval. He's saying, yes, let's do this. Let's get on with this and stone him. And then at chapter 8, at the start, is him who's there again, who decides he's going to destroy this church. He is going to bring this church in Jerusalem down. And so he starts this kind of personal vendetta, this mission of his that he goes from house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison for their faith. In chapter 26, verse 11, we're told it was an obsession for him, this was to the point where he began to travel to cities outside of Jerusalem to arrest those outside to bring them back into Jerusalem to put them in prison. And he would punish them and he would force them to blaspheme and give up their faith. But the amazing thing about all of this, despite this happening, the church continued to grow. Despite this scattering and this persecution, it grew. It grew to the north, the south, the east and the west. And what Saul failed to realise was that this scattering was all part of God's plan. And he was not going to stop this in any way. But Saul is a very stubborn man. 
and he doesn't listen well. And for some time, God has been trying to get hold of his attention, to get hold of him, to become a believer, to change from his ways and to realize that his ways are wrong. And again, in chapter 26, verse 14, we're told this. After God calls out his name, he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goat. And he's saying that basically I've had this stick and I've been trying to force you to, well, kind of been leading you to me. But you've been resisting my call for your life and you've been resisting it for a long time. Because he was so sure of his plans. He had committed everything to it. All his time, his energy, his effort, everything. And to a certain point, I can sympathize with him because I am so stubborn. So stubborn. Especially when I think I'm right. It's awful. And I will stop listening to people. Even when I begin to realize I might be wrong here, it's kind of I am set in my ways and I'm not going to change. And it takes a while for me to change, to let go of that stubbornness and that pride that's in me. And Saul, he has been resisting this call to follow Jesus for some time. He knew Jesus' teaching. He heard it. He saw how the early church was growing. He heard about the healings, the miracles, the miraculous escape from prison. He's seen some of his colleagues become Christians. And he knew despite the persecution, this church was still growing. There's something going on, but he refused to acknowledge it. And, um, and even his own teacher, Gamaliel, he tells him, if this movement is of God, stay away. Don't get involved. Back off. Leave it alone. But he doesn't listen. And he's got this plan in his head and his plan is to go to Damascus because there's this growing Christian community in Damascus and he's heading there to contain the spread of the gospel message. But there was a problem on this journey and we can see what his problem was. See, on this journey, it was his journey. Because in chapter 3, verse 9, sorry, in verse 3 verse of chapter 9, it says he headed to Damascus on his journey. He was on his own journey doing his own thing in his own strength. And this journey of his has gone on for a very long time. Starting when he was a child. In chapter 22, he tells this crowd how he had tried everything since he was a child. He'd studied under Gamaliel, who was the most highest rabbi of the first century. He was a well-educated man. He's done it all. He's studied. He's learned languages. He knew the law. He's kept the law. He's done all of these things. And he truly believed that what he was doing was the right thing and that God would bless him for this. This whole way of life became an obsession for him. And quite possibly he was also doing it to gain advantage in his own life, to build his career, to build his reputation as well. But when I read these two accounts, I also just see a man who is tired, who is worn out as well from living his own journey and doing things in his own strength. And he's beginning to realize that and see that as he approaches Damascus. And he finally begins to acknowledge it. Because it's on this journey that he finally responds to this call from God. This call that has been going on for a long time. And he's about to be set free from this journey that he's on. Because he hears his name finally being called Saul, Saul. And he hears this voice telling him, you need to stop doing what you're doing. No more persecution. This is not a good plan of yours. You know, I've got a better plan for you. But the big thing is this call was an intimate call. And it's God's kindness and his compassion and his love coming through. God who knows every single thing about this man is still calling out to him. Despite everything he had done, the fact that he has chosen to live his own life for so long, refused to allow God in, despite his stubbornness and his pride, 
despite the hurt and the pain he has caused other people. God is calling his name and calling him into a relationship with him. And if you're looking at one of the world's worst sinners, this guy does top the list and he acknowledges it in 1 Timothy. He says, Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the very worst. But God still called his name with this intense emotion, Saul, Saul. And God is doing the same thing with every single one of us today. He's calling us to stop doing some things that we're doing, to let things go, to stop ignoring him. He wants us to let go of our wayward journeys, to let those things go that become an obsession within our lives and then begin to let him into every area of our life. And it doesn't matter what we have done, how much we've messed up. He just wants us to respond and say, yes, come, Lord. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me, all who are weary, all of you, and I will give you rest. And Saul was a man who was clearly worn out and in need of rest, and he finally acknowledges it. And what happens when Saul finally stands up, he realizes he's blind. He realizes just how empty his life was without Jesus. The person who thought he had his whole life sorted out finally realized, actually, I didn't. I didn't know it at all. And he acknowledges this in Philippians. He says, if anyone had a reason to be confident in the flesh, it was me. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrews of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. But I now consider all of these things garbage, that I may be find Christ and be found in him. See, once he stood up, he was blind. And he realized it. And then he's left there wondering, well, what do I do with my life? He says this in chapter 22. He says, what do I do now? What do I do with my life? And the amazing thing with God is that he doesn't leave us in that place. He picks him up. You know, he says, you're not going to stay in this failure. You're not going to stay in this place where you are. We're going to move on. I have a journey and a path for your life. And he gives him a glimpse of what that is going to be. You know, God says to him, you're going to be a vessel from you for me I'm going to use you to do things he receives a new agenda for his life he picked him up and he begins to lead him into this new life and each of us has a calling on our lives that God wants us to be vessels for him so that we can do something significant for him in our lives and he wants to take the kindness and the compassion that he's filled us with And he wants us to go around and share it with those around us. But we've got to be willing to let go and we've got to be willing to trust him and we've got to be willing to follow him where he's leading us. And in verse 10, that's where we meet Ananias. Ananias is someone whose life we know so little about. But we know that he has been filled with God's kindness and compassion and love and he wants to share that with those around him. He's a man with a generous heart. And the first thing we see when we look at this man's life, Ananias, is that he creates time for God. He's willing to listen to God. He's willing to sit down and allow God to speak to him. See, in verse 10, God is calling out to him as well. And he's saying, Ananias. And his response is simple. It's, yes, Lord, I'm here. And that's the second thing. We've got to be willing then to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And I've got a willingness to serve you, God. 
And this goes on throughout the whole of the Bible. God is looking for people who will respond to him from the beginning with Abraham and Sarah to Isaac and Moses and Isaiah to Mary who responds to that call when asked to carry Jesus for nine months. She responds with, behold, I am the Lord's servant. And God calls Ananias and he responds and says, here I am, Lord, use me. And on this occasion, he needs a little bit more convincing, doesn't he? Because God is, I want you to go to Saul. And his response is, Saul, do you know this guy? This guy hates you, God. Not only does he hate you, he hates me and I'm on his hit list. He's after me. He wants to take me back to Jerusalem and put me in prison. And I'm not too keen on that. But God's waiting patiently. He says, yes, I want you to go to Saul. And maybe there was a bit of fear in his life as well. Why would you choose someone like me to go to someone like Saul? What have I got to say to Saul? What on earth have I got to say to this guy? We have nothing in common at all. But God is actually, I'm using you. I want you to go. And at this point, Ananias, he chose to be obedient. He chose to trust God's decision over his own opinion. And he stepped out in faith. And he got up and he went. And he didn't just go to Saul's door and pray a little blessing over it, which I probably would have done, just God bless this man and carried on walking. No, no, it says he entered in. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day and he started door knocking. Um, I don't know if you've done it. And they go around and knock on doors and they ask if they can pray for people. And he went with this lady who loves door knocking and he wasn't very keen. And she said, you knock on the door. And he goes up to the first door and he's like, no one there. We should, we should go. We, we need to go. And she's like, knock louder. They can't hear. And he was, no, there's definitely no one in. And then she steps up and she pounds the door. Uh, he's just like, what is happening here? And this person opens the door and she's like, can we pray for you? And it's just like, wow. It's just quite amazing to watch. And this is what Ananias does. He doesn't stop at the door. It says he enters into the house. And this next bit is what I love about this story. I think it's so amazing. He enters into this house. And it's so powerful to watch this next part. And he goes to where Saul is and he stands next to him. He places his hands on him to confirm that God has a calling for his life. And then he calls him brother, which is this real, you're part of us now. You know, you've been forgiven. You've been accepted. You're part of our family. Then he prays a blessing over him that he will see God, that he will hear God and he will know God's will for his life. And he's encouraging, step into this, Saul. Be baptized. Let's go. What are you waiting for, he says. Get going. You know, he planted hope in Saul's life. And that's what we are called to do today. You know, we are called to rise up. We're called to go where God is leading us. And we're called to go and plant hope into people's lives. So I just want to encourage you today that God is calling out to you today. No matter what's going on in your life, wherever you are in your journey right now, he is calling your name. And he's just asking you to open the door and let him in. And once we let him in, we've got to trust that he will then lead us, he will guide us to where he wants us to be going. And he wants us to be people like Ananias, who will say, yes, Lord, I am willing, use me. And take that love and that compassion that God has poured out into our lives and then freely and generously give it to those around us. And I was just thinking about this this week because we got an email. I don't know if you get the emails. You should get them from church uh, each month. And I think about it, and it comes out in August, and it was just telling us all that the church does in August. And if you're not sure what to do, 
begin here. There is so much happening here. There is so many people from the community begin to connect in with this church. Just from the side day that's happening, from Paul's Pub to Tower Tots to the Baby Hub to Silly Sports Day to SBX Active. So many people are on this journey like Saul, stepping into this place. We can go out and we can meet them and just share God's love with them. Get involved. All Ananias did was go down the road to the bloke down the road. That was it, really. He was just around the corner. That's what we can do. Go to the person down the road. So what I'd like to do is just invite the band up. And as they come up, um, just want to remind us of that verse from Matthew 11. Firstly, you know, that God is calling you today. And he's, Jesus is saying, you know, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, he's saying, come to me, all of you. And just allow God in to any area of your life where you may be kind of doing your own thing or just have these own obsessions where you're going your own way. And let him in. And then begin to ask God, God, where are you leading me? Give me a glimpse of what it is you want me to be doing. God, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. And help me to follow you, God. Help me to trust you. Help me to let go of those things in my life and begin to trust you and follow you today. So I'm just going to pray and then hand over to the, the worship team. So God, we thank you for this story. And I thank you that every single person here is being called by you. And may they hear your voice today. May they hear you calling your name. May they know the love and the compassion that you have for them. And may they be filled with it today, God. And I thank you that you don't leave us in that place. God, you want to pick us up and you want to take us on a journey. And so for those who struggle to believe that, God, will you remind them that they have a journey and a purpose and a plan, God, that you have something for them to do. And will you begin to give them a glimpse of that today, God, and help us to step out into that today. In your name, Father. Amen.